Hey, this is Jason Byler. I'm the pastor of uh, Life Change Church. I want to thank you so much for checking out our podcasts. I'd like to ask that uh, you would listen to Revelation chapter 1, which reminds us that there's a wonderful blessing that comes to those who read and study the Word of God and take it into your heart. So just as you listen to these podcasts, uh, just try to open your heart and receive the Word of the Lord. We believe it'll change and transform your life. Again, thanks so much for uh, checking these out. I pray you'll be greatly blessed by them. Thank you. God bless. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, it is a, a wonderful thing, the blessing of the Lord. And it is so neat to me how seems like when you're going through difficult times that God is just blessing uh, all uh, the more. And I hope that you are experiencing the blessing uh, of the Lord upon your life in every way. And uh, I would just say that, that, uh, that uh, as a church, we have just been so blessed uh, in this time. And I just love to give all of you a big hand uh, and all of you online a big hand for your faithful uh, giving uh, through a difficult time. Nobody's checked up. Uh, people have given even more. It's just a declaration to me that you're a people that trust in God and that you want Him to know it and everyone else to know it. So uh, good job, uh, Life Change. Uh, thank you so much. And the Lord bless you uh, for how you bless uh, the church uh, with your prayers, uh, with your time, with your serving, uh, with your finances, just, just in every way. Uh, thank you so much. I believe God's got a passion uh, for His church because it is, it is His people uh, gathered together. As Joy read, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit and God uh, has, a, has a great passion uh, for uh, His temple. As we uh, continue... Uh, talking about uh, the times uh, this morning, uh, we need to remember, I know I say this every week, but I want you to remember, I want all of you online uh, to remember that we can do this uh, because we are learning from the one who is, uh, who was, and who is to come. So we can talk with authority and confidence about the time that we are in, about the times that we've come from, and about the times that are in the future because of the one who is, who was, and is to come. And I uh, say to you this morning again that the most important thing that you need to know is that you need to know the one who is, who was, and who is to come. And I ask you again this morning, I ask all of you online again uh, this morning, do you know Jesus? Have you put your faith and trust in Him? Is He your Lord and Savior? The passion of your life, the reason that you exist, the, 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 the air that you breathe, is He your King? Do you know Jesus? This morning, if you don't, then make today your day of salvation and put your faith and trust in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, we have gotten into, the, into future events, again, which we can talk about uh, and with confidence uh, because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and because of 
the Word of God. And we have, uh, we have spent some time now uh, in this last seven-year period of time, uh, which, which we know in, in the church world uh, and is commonly known as the Tribulation. It is the, it is the final uh, 77th that is mentioned in Daniel uh, chapter uh, 9. It is the last seven years before things shift and uh, things uh, change. Uh, we are in the book of Revelation uh, because much of the book of Revelation is spent uh, talking about this uh, seven-year period of time. So we understand that this is an important uh, period of time. And uh, that it is a period of time that we need to study uh, and that we uh, need to uh, understand. Now, just, uh, just to remind you uh, that uh, I believe uh, with all of my heart uh, that before this seven-year tribulation, this final 70th, 7th, that what will take place, and, and this would be next uh, in line, we don't know when this will happen, but this will be the next thing, the next major event that will take place is the rapture of the church, uh, where our Lord and Savior, I can't, I can't help but smile when I start to talk about it, where our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will come and snatch up, rapture those who are His, those who know Him. Now, this won't be everyone who thinks that they're his and knows him, but he, but he will come for those who know him. I don't know if you remember or not, but, but Matthew 7, uh, Jesus speaks, and he speaks to those uh, who, who know him and those who think that they know him. And he says to those, I never knew you, uh, those who think they know him, but they, did, they didn't really live for him. Uh, they, they, they didn't really believe in him. They didn't really know him. They didn't really uh, serve him. And he says to them, I, I never knew you. Depart uh, from me. That's why I say to you this morning, you know, let's not play games with God. Do you know Jesus? You know, the main thing about the rapture uh, that we need to talk about is, are you ready because it says there will be those who are not ready. Are you ready for the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? That when He comes and snatches up the church, are you ready? Are you going to be uh, snatched up? He's going to come. He's going to snatch us up. He's going to rapture uh, up the church to, uh, to save us from the coming judgment, from the coming day of wrath, from that coming uh, seven-year uh, tribulation. Now, let me just go ahead and say that, that when it comes to the rapture, there is quite a bit of disagreement uh, in the church. That some believe that it will happen before the tribulation, and some believe that it happens in the middle of the tribulation, and some believe that it happens at the end of uh, the tribulation, uh, and, and there's a lot of discussion that goes on when it comes to the rapture, and all of that's fine as long as it's just good, uh, wholesome discussion, and it doesn't bring any division to us or any division 
vision to the church, but I would say that most believe that the rapture will take place before the tribulation, and I am among that group. I wholeheartedly believe it. I believe that that is what the Bible teaches, that this will be the thing that takes place, that that is coming. We don't know the time or the date, but the rapture is coming. Let me just remind you that, that when Jesus spoke about these things, he spoke about the days of Noah. He spoke about the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. And in Genesis chapter 17, 18, and 19, we have that story of Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and it was, it was Moses' conversation with the Lord where he, where he talked about, Lord, if there's 50 righteous, will you bring judgment? And God says no. And, and, uh, and uh, did I say Moses? Abraham. Abraham, it just hit me. I'm like, I think I just said, I think I just said Moses. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I'm such a mess. Y'all pray for me. I can't remember hardly anything. Abraham has this discussion with the Lord and and because the Lord's going to bring judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah because, because the evil outcry has risen to such a point. And this is the same thing that happens in the day of Noah. The evil has gotten to such a point where God's got to come and do uh, something. And the Lord says to Abraham at the end of, of chapter 17 that if there's ten righteous there, he will not bring that judgment on that city. And so they can't find ten righteous that are there, but but uh, Lot, Abraham's uh, nephew's family, is there, and the angels uh, say uh, to Lot, uh, you can check this out in Genesis 19, uh, 21 and 22, the angels say to Lot and his family that, that they need to hurry and go to the city where they'll be safe because they cannot bring judgment until they're gone. And Jesus speaks of this as as. Uh, you know, as an example of the end times, uh, Jude speaks of this, uh, Peter uh, speaks of this, and so we see here, you know, God's precedence that his people will be rescued and saved before the judgment comes. And uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, it talks about that we were not appointed to suffer wrath, that this, this day of tribulation that is coming is is the Lord's uh, judgment, it is the Lord's wrath, as we learn in Second Peter uh, 3, that his patience uh, will come to an end, that he will remove the church, the righteous, and that he will then come and bring judgment. Interesting, you can check this out too. This is so cool. I hadn't had time to really think on it and, and meditate on it, and someday maybe I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit more, and maybe it doesn't mean anything uh, at all. Uh, but I find more and more that almost everything in Scripture means something, more than it doesn't mean anything, or everything uh, does. Genesis chapter 7, uh, 9 and 10, God's going to bring the flood and judge, and judge uh, the earth because Genesis chapter 6, man's wickedness has risen to such a place where every inclination, thought of their heart is to do evil all the time. So God selects Noah, a man who walks with the Lord. You ought to read this story out carefully, right? And God gives Noah instruction and it says that everything that the Lord told Noah, he did it. He did as he was commanded. He did as he was commanded because he was a man who walked with the Lord. Are we walking with the Lord? Do we know Jesus? 
Are we in relationship with him? Are we living for him? Do you know Jesus this morning? And, and so Noah gets all the preparations together for the ark. And then it says that, that Noah and his family were placed inside the ark and were in the ark safely. And then seven days later, the flood came. After, after waiting seven days, then the Lord brings the flood. Now, it's just interesting that number seven popping up again and seven days showing up. And I don't know what it means, but I do know this, that before the judgment, before the flood, Noah and his family were safely removed so that they would not be harmed by what was to come. I believe the rapture's coming. We're going to be taken then that sets the stage for this seven-year tribulation period to take place. Now, in chapter 13, Revelation 13, this is where we left off last Sunday, we are introduced to a very important character in this seven-year period of time that Revelation calls the beast. First John 4, John calls him the Antichrist. Uh, Paul in in Second Thessalonians speaks of him as the as the man of lawlessness. And he is a very important uh, player uh, in this tribulation uh, period of time. Uh, Daniel also speaks of him uh, in Daniel chapter nine. He's the he uh, that Daniel uh, speaks of. Uh, so. And we learn from uh, Revelation uh, 13 some interesting things uh, about uh, this, uh, this beast, uh, this uh, anti-Christ. Uh, and, and from Daniel and the book of Revelation, we get some timing on when things are going to take place. We know it's seven years. We see in Daniel that it's divided into two, uh, three and a half year uh, periods uh, of time. And, and so, so the, uh, the Antichrist, or the one who will become that, uh, will uh, not be raptured. <laughs> he will, he will uh, come up out of the nations and will uh, set up as a ruler a, a treaty with ten uh, nations. Uh, we learn that uh, from, from chapter 17 and uh, from chapter uh, 13. This is Daniel chapter 9 says that, uh, that he will make a treaty with many. Uh, we learn that that is ten uh, nations. One of those will be, uh, will be Israel. Uh, three, of, three of them will, that are going to come under that are not going to come willingly. He's going to have to uh, conquer uh, them. So he will arise as uh, this leader. Uh, we also see the, uh, the two witnesses in chapter 11 uh, come on the scene. And we get timing from the two witnesses as well uh, for a three and a half year period of time. They are given power in Jerusalem uh, to proclaim the, the gospel uh, to, to uh, prophesy, and then uh, the beast will come against them and, and will kill them, and they will uh, rise again, and the Lord will take them uh, up to heaven uh, after, after three uh, days. Uh, so then the, uh, the uh, Antichrist uh, will, will seize opportunity uh, that is given him and will place the whole world under his control. Uh, somewhere in all of this, uh, he will be wounded, it says. He'll be wounded, uh, that, a wound that will kill him. Uh, and then he will be uh, raised again uh, by the power of the dragon, who we know is Satan, who we learned about in chapter 12. And we also see uh, here in chapter 
in chapter 13, the, the whole world will be under uh, the, uh, the Antichrist control. A false prophet will arise. So we'll have, you know, kind of the evil trinity, uh, if you will, the dragon, uh, the beast, and the false prophet. The false prophet is very, very deceptive because he is given uh, power to do uh, incredible miracles. Uh, there will be the abomination of desolation that is set up in the temple. Uh, the false prophet will have power to make it speak. Uh, so many, many people will be led astray. Uh, they will be very deceptive. At the end of chapter 13, we learn about the mark of the beast, where everyone will, will receive a mark on their forehead or on their hand. Uh, the number of the beast, the number of man, 666. Uh, six. And if they don't have this, uh, then they won't be able to do business. Uh, they won't be able to buy or sell. It'd be incredibly difficult for those who don't have it, but if you don't get raptured and the mark of the beast comes about, don't take it because it's going to be difficult for you for a little while, but it's going to be better in the long run. Put your faith and trust in Jesus and live for him and don't take ever that mark of the beast. Now, uh, we, we see uh, this mark of the beast in Revelation 13, 18. And this is, a, this is an interesting uh, word that is spoken here to the, uh, to the saints that are in the tribulation. Now, by the way, uh, the, uh, the gospel is still going to be proclaimed in the tribulation. And people uh, who have, uh, who have uh, come into that uh, are going to come to Jesus and put their faith and trust in him. Now, I wouldn't, if I were you, say, well, I'll just wait. I would not. <laughs> you don't want to. And if you go into that, uh, there is suggestion in Thessalonians that if that's your attitude, that there will be a delusion and a deception that comes upon you and you'll not be able to. You don't want to wait. Right now is the day of salvation, right? We don't even want to wait till tomorrow because we're not promised it. We don't know what the day will bring. We know we have right now. We know we have today. Today is the day of uh, salvation. So Revelation 13, 18. Let me read this to you again. This is what it says. It says, this calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast for it is the number of man that number is six uh, six uh, six we do not like uh, this number uh, right here it is the it is the number uh, of man but let me call our attention to this uh, this calls uh, for wisdom uh, this calls uh, for insight because this time period will be a time period where uh, where the people uh, who do not receive the mark of the beast are 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 a people who have enough wisdom to identify that this is not from God, that this is not something that they need to embrace. And so we see this incredibly deceptive time that people are going to be in need of great wisdom. And I, and I, and I say, if, they, if the saints in the tribulation are in need of wisdom, then you and I today, in the day of the church, in the time of God's patience, in the day of salvation, we need to remember that this is still a deceptive time that we live in. Not like it's going to be, but this is a deceptive time, and we are a people in need of wisdom. We need understanding. 
understanding. We need knowledge. We need wisdom so that we can navigate through and not be deceived and led astray. I look at so many who claim the name of Christ who are so deceived and easily led astray by so many things. And this does not need to be. We need to be people of understanding, knowledge, and wisdom. And one of the great blessings that comes from studying these times in the book of Revelation is we gain understanding and knowledge and wisdom. Let me read a a couple verses to you. I'll just read them here uh, off the screen. I just want to remind you of these. Uh, This is Proverbs uh, 24, starting at verse 1. Take a coffee break. Join me if you'd like to. Remember this. Listen, do not envy the wicked and do not desire their company. For their hearts plot violence and their lips talk about making trouble. This seems to be such a problem right here for so many. The, the, the major struggle that they have is, is the world looks so attractive. But man, we want to also live for the Lord because I don't want to not be raptured and end up in the tribulation and face God's judgment. There's like this tug of war that is taking place in their life. I want the world and I want, and I want God and I want to, I want to love the world and I want to love my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, which we know cannot be done. We've got to be a people who make a declaration, who take a stand, who make a decision and declare whom we will serve and whom we will trust, right? We need to be a Joshua generation that says, y'all do whatever you want to do, okay? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Do not envy the wicked. Don't envy the world. Don't desire the world, right? It looks attractive and beautiful. It is deceptive. All that the world has to offer will perish, and it brings perishing. It brings destruction. Don't envy the wicked. Do not desire their company, for their hearts plot violence, and their lips talk about making trouble. And then there's this interesting uh, connect to the building of a life, the building of a house in verse 3. By wisdom, here's our word, A house is built through understanding, it is established through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. By wisdom, by understanding, by knowledge, we build a life, Kristen, on the foundation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that cannot be shaken. A house that not only is not, is not shaken, but a house that is established and a house that is filled with rare and beautiful treasures. Now, when it comes to wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, right, we just don't walk around and it comes to us. It just all, you know, it just, we're just not a magnet for it, and we walk and it just, it comes, right? We got to go get it. We got to go dig it out. We got to go find it. We got to go search for it. We got to work hard to get it, right? You're not just going to live haphazardly and say, well, I'm going to just somewhere the Lord's going to give it to me. He's going to, he's just going to bring it. You've got to, you've got to run after it and seek it for the treasure that it is, and we need it. Not only do they need it in the tribulation, but we need it here and now. Let me remind you of of Proverbs chapter 2. Talks to us about about the kind of wisdom and understanding and knowledge that we need, right? Because remember, we're not talking about anything worldly here. My son, if you accept my 
words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. See, I'm, I'm turning my ear in. I'm applying my heart. I'm, I'm directing my heart, telling it what it's going to do, where it's going to go, and I'm, I'm bringing it to understanding. Verse 3. Indeed, if you call out for insight, and, and look at this, cry aloud for understanding. That's not like a passionless pursuit. We're seeing some, some real recognizing here of the importance of wisdom and understanding and, 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 and knowledge that, that, that Solomon is saying to his children, cry out for this. And if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure. That's a powerful analogy right there. This is so precious. This is so valuable. This is so needed. But it's not just, it's not just lying out on the ground for everyone to find, right? You gotta, you gotta dig, man. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta dig, saints. <laughs> you gotta dig, church. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta look and search and cry aloud and, and, and dive into this so that you can get understanding and wisdom and knowledge like it is a treasure because it is. Verse 5. Then you will... Now we start to understand what we'll understand. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. That's why, that's why Revelation is so powerful and such a blessing, right? Because as we dig into the book of Revelation, we start to understand the fear of the Lord and we start to get a whole new understanding and knowledge of our Lord God Almighty. And this is the kind of understanding we need and this is the kind of knowledge that we need. We need to understand more than anything else the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God. And more than anything else, man, I want for you, I want for my children, I want for all of you online to understand the fear of the Lord. You say, man, pastor, explain that to me. I don't even understand what that is. See what I mean? You see what I mean? You better dig. You better search. You better cry aloud. You better go find out. You better look and say, this is silver. This is gold. This is treasure. I better go after it until I understand the fear of the Lord, until I find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. These things are going to come from our Lord and they will prepare us, help us so that we recognize the times, so that we recognize our enemy, so that we recognize what is treasure, the things of the kingdom of God, what is not treasure, the things of this world perish and pass away. Verse 6, verse 7, I don't know. He holds, listen to this, young people, this is great. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. He guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. It's just good to live for the Lord. It just is. Verse 9. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair every good path. You start, to, you start to receive you know, wisdom from God and understanding of the fear of the Lord and knowledge of the Holy One and you recognize what's right and just and fair every good path and you also recognize what is not. 
And you can, you can get a little confused every now and then on how everyone doesn't recognize what is not. But then you got to remember that if you're going to get this, you got to dig for it. You got to search. You got to run it down. You got to cry aloud. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. We want wisdom to enter our heart. We want knowledge to be pleasant to our soul. So maybe we just pause right here and we James chapter 1 it before we move any further into this and we ask God as we search, as we dig, as we look that he will speak and that he will do what only he can do, take wisdom from him and set it down inside of our hearts. Let's pray together. Let's pray, pray with us online. Lord, we come to you this morning. We know that we live in a deceptive time. We know that there's trouble in this world. We know that there's all kinds of, of deceptive things that are out there to draw our focus and attention away. There's all kinds of paths that we can take. But Lord, we are your people and we want to live for you. And we want to bring you glory and honor. So this morning, Lord, we ask as we look further into your word and as we leave this place and, and go about our day and, and, and enter into next week, Lord, we ask that you would bring wisdom from you and that you take it and set it down inside of our hearts that you would give us understanding of the fear of the Lord and knowledge of who you are Lord, I pray that you would stir up the treasure hunter in each and every one of us and that we would begin to go after your truth. We'd begin to go after your wisdom. We'd begin to go after your word that we would seek it until we find it and it gets down inside of our hearts. Help us today to do this, that we would be people who understand the fear of the Lord, who have a knowledge of the Holy One and who have a wisdom in our heart that is only there because you have come and set it there. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said, Amen. 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 Now as we enter into chapter 14 of the book of Revelation, this is so cool because chapter 13 is so almost depressing, you know, as the beast arises on the scene and the false prophet comes and the, and the dragon is working and, and there's war against the saints and he's been given power to war against the saints and, and everyone's got to take the mark of the beast. It's almost, like, it's almost like God thought, like, man, we need a breath. <gasps> we need some fresh air. You know, we need, we need some hope. Man, God's got a hope. You know that? That's another reason I believe in the rapture, because God is a God of hope, and he wants for us to be filled with joy and peace and overflowing with hope. Now, as we come in here to, uh, to chapter uh, 14, you know, just listen to this, then John, this is, you know, again, John, obviously, he says, then I looked, and there before me was the lamb standing on Mount Zion. And so, so right away, we see the lamb who was slain, the only holy, worthy lamb of God. He is standing on Mount Zion. You know, so just when the beast looks big, when he looks bad, we get a look at Jesus. There's going to be a battle that's coming. We're coming to it. We're not going to get to it today. We're coming to it. There's going to be a battle that's coming, a fight between the beast and a fight between <laughs> the mighty warrior, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and it's not much of a fight. 
and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. See, see just, when, just when the beast arises and he's marking everybody as his own, then John sees our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And he has those who are marked with his name and the name of the Father. Now, I don't totally know who these 144,000 are. It could be the same 144,000 from, from Revelation chapter 7. I'm not 100% positive, but I do know that they are followers of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that they are marked by him. And, and I don't know everyone in that number, but I know I am in a number of those who are marked with the name of Jesus, with the blood of the Lamb. I know my name is written in the the Lamb's book of life, and that I'm going to stand with him as they are standing with him as well. You want to be not marked with the beast, you want to be marked with the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we see the marking of the beast, and then we see the marking of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and you can't be marked by both. I think that's maybe the thing that discourages some people when you talk about the end times is that, is that God just draws a line, right? Because so many people want to straddle the fence. You know, I want the world, I want Jesus, I want the world, I want Jesus. But, but, but in Revelation, man, there's just a marking. And, and it's either you're one or you're the other, right? You get the mark of the beast, you've got it. Or you get the mark of Christ, you've got it. But you can't be marked with both. And I heard a sound from verse 2 from heaven like the roar of rushing waters and like a loud peal of thunder. The sound I heard was like that of harpists playing their harps. And they sang a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders. No one could learn the song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. Man, I bet that's pretty cool. To, I, bet, I, bet, I bet John was kind of like blown away by all of this. And then it talks about their purity and how that they had wholeheartedly lived for God and had not been defiled by, by any of the things of this world. And then in verse 6, John sees something else. He says, I saw another angel flying in midair and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth to every nation tribe language and people so still still here we see the eternal gospel being proclaimed right throughout the tribulation period we've got the two witnesses that are proclaiming the gospel we've got the 144,000 in in chapter 7 that are proclaiming the gospel here an angel is proclaiming the eternal gospel. There are, there are two things that will not perish. It is the eternal word of God and the eternal souls of men. And as the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we get to be powerfully involved in both of them. Verse 7, he said in a loud voice, fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come, worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, the springs, and the springs of water. He just gives us this incredible instruction that is so relevant then, that is so incredibly relevant now for us in the day of salvation. Fear God and give him glory. Live for the Lord. Worship him. Serve him. Make him your everything. Verse 8, 
Remember that angel there in verse 6 and 7. Verse 8, the second angel followed and said, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, which made all the nations drink the maddening wine of her adulteries. The, the, the Babylon uh, system of this world is fallen, coming to an end. A third angel, verse 9, followed them and said in a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on their forehead or on their hand, he too will drink of the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. He will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment rises forever and ever. There is no rest, day or night, for those who worship the beast and his image, for or for anyone who receives the mark of his name. So again, we don't want to be marked by the beast. We do not want to receive the mark of the beast. We are those who are marked by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are His. Again, verse 12 has a, has a similar feel to Revelation 13, 18. This calls for patient endurance on the part of the saints who obey God's commandments and remain faithful to Jesus. We want to be the saints who obey God's commands and remain faithful to Jesus. We want to be like Noah, right? God speaks, Noah does. God speaks, Noah does. Verse 13, Then I heard a voice from heaven say, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labor, for their deeds will follow them. Then, uh, moving in chapter 14, verse 14, uh, we see uh, the, uh, this time of, of judgment uh, coming. Uh, and, uh, and, and you can read that and, and study that uh, on your own. Uh, and um, and I, we may try to get into some of this on some, on some Wednesday nights here uh, coming up where we'll just break down some of this a little bit, a little bit more. But, but, but it's like the, here comes this, this end to the judgments. And then uh, moving in to chapter uh, 15, uh, we, uh, we get into the, to the final uh, seven uh, plagues. And it says this, as chapter 15 verse 1 opens up, I saw uh, in heaven uh, another great and marvelous sign, seven angels with seven last plagues last because, last because of them God's wrath is completed. So here come these seven last plagues. They're last because this is, this is winding down to the end of God's wrath, to the end of uh, God's uh, judgment, and, and winding down to the end of the tribulation and setting up this conflict and this battle that is going to take place again that we will not get to uh, this, uh, this morning. So they, he sees these seven uh, last uh, angels uh, with these, uh, with these uh, seven last plagues. And let's skip here to, to verse 5. And, it, and, and at verse 5 it says this, after I, of, of chapter 15, After this I looked, and in heaven 
uh, I looked in, and in heaven the temple and its tabernacle of testimony was opened and out of the temple came the seven angels with the seven plagues and they were dressed in clean shining linen and wore golden sashes around their chests. Then one of the four living creatures gave the seven angels seven golden bowls filled with the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. Verse 8, And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from His power, and no one could enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. So we've seen this happen on earth, where God so shows up in His temple, in His presence, that no one could enter into the temple because of the presence of God. We saw that with Solomon's in the temple. We saw that with the tabernacle that, that Moses has built. And now now we're seeing this in heaven, where, where no one in heaven can enter in uh, to, uh, this, uh, to this tabernacle. I read some commentary on this. I thought it was, was, uh, was fairly interesting. Now I'm just saying it's commentary uh, on it. But, but one of the thoughts on this was that, was that uh, no one can enter this until these seven plagues are done so that there is no opportunity for there to be intercession made to bring an end to these terrible last uh, seven plagues. That these will happen, that they will be completed, uh, that there's not going to be any end uh, to them. So then, uh, chapter 16. Chapter 16, verse 1. Then I heard... A loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. In chapter 16, verse 2, The first angel went and poured out his bowl on the land, and ugly and painful sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. The second angel poured out his uh, out on the sea, and it turned to blood like that of the dead men, and everything in the sea died. A third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. And then I heard the angel in charge of the waters say this. This is, this is interesting. It like needs to be proclaimed here. This is something we need to know about God, that God is just and he is the justifier. You are just in these judgments You who are and who were the Holy One because you have so judged. For they, talking about the the world, have shed the blood of your saints and prophets and you have given them blood to drink as they deserve. And talking about God's justice here. And verse 7, and I heard the altar respond, yes, Lord God Almighty, true and just are your judgments. So God is judge and he is just. He is also patient. Aren't you glad that right now we're in his patience? And what a wonderful time it is to live in the patience of God where he is holding off his judgment. He's holding off his wrath to, to just the right time that, that, that he will have to that he will have to do something in order to still be just 
and the one who justifies it. Romans 3 tells us that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but, but God has sent Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, to die on the cross for our sins, that we can trust in Him and not receive God's wrath and His judgment, but receive His mercy and His grace. Don't you want His mercy? Don't you want His grace? I don't want His wrath or His, or his judgment. Then, Verse 8, then the fourth angel poured out his bowl uh, on the sun, and the sun was given power to scorch people with fire, and they were seared with intense heat, and they, and listen to this, and they cursed the name of God who had control over these plagues, but they refused to repent and glorify him. They're, they're mad and they're cursing, but they refuse to repent and glorify him. We can learn a lesson uh, from this. Listen, it's going to say it to us again. In verse 10, the fifth angel poured out his bowl uh, on the throne of the beast and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. Men gnawed their tongues in agony and cursed the God of heaven. See again there, they cursed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, but they refused to repent of what they had done. Here we again, we see this, this cursing of God and this refusing to repent. Verse 12, the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates and its waters dried up to prepare the way for the kings of the east. And then I saw three evil spirits that looked like frogs and they came out of the mouth of the dragon out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. You remember the three, the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. Here's this very vivid picture of, of these deceiving spirits that are going to come. They, verse 14, are spirits of demons performing miraculous signs and they go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for battle on the great day of God Almighty. See, see we're moving towards this great battle that's going to take place. And then Jesus proclaims to us, and we need to hear it, it's, it's almost like he speaks to the reader. Like not just speaking into the time, into the future time, but he's speaking right to us, the reader. And he says, behold, I come like a thief. Blessed is he who stays awake and keeps his clothes with him so that they may not go naked and be shamefully exposed. It's like right now Jesus speaks to us, speaks to the church and says, hey, hey church, hey, it's time to be ready. It's time to not be caught unaware. You remember the stories I told in Matthew? Remember them now. It's time right now to bless the Lord. It's time right now to exalt Him. It's time right now to serve Him. It's time right now to give Him all of your heart. It's time right now to be washed in the blood of the Lamb and clothed in His righteous garments. It is not a time to be caught unaware. You need to be ready. Do you know Jesus? Are you ready this morning? He calls to us from the pages of Scripture, to us here and now today, and says these days are coming, but they are not for you. If right now you will put on the garments of the King, you will clothe yourself in the righteousness of Jesus. It is time now to be ready. Verse 16, he says, says this, Then they gathered the kings together to a place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, 
And out of the temple came loud voices from the throne saying, It is done. Here it is. It is done. It is over. The seventh bowl. Then there came flashes of lightnings, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a severe earthquake. No earthquake like it had ever occurred since since man has been on earth. So tremendous was the quake that the great city split into three parts and the cities of the nations collapsed. God remembered Babylon the great and gave her the cup filled with the wine of the fury of his wrath. Every island fled away and the mountains could be fa- could not be uh, found uh, from the sky huge hailstones of about a hundred pounds each fell upon men and they listen to this and they cursed God on account of the plague of hail because the plague was so terrible here again we see mankind cursing God we see mankind refusing to repent and, and call out to him. We see something taking place that is the direct opposite of what of the example that Job gave us of how the righteous are to live. If you remember, the enemy, are, the devil stood before the Lord and he said, plague Job. He said, let me plague Job and he'll curse you. He'll curse you to your face. He, he serves you. He trusts in you because you're blessing him. But take away the blessing and bring the plague and Job will curse you. And so God said, okay. He said, I'm going to take away my protection, take away the blessing, and I'm going to allow you to plague him. And the enemy came and plagued Job and took away everything that Job had, and even inflicted Job with sores, like we see here uh, are inflicted in, in, the, in one of the plagues of the bowls, where, where he had sores that so tormented him. And even Job's wife, man, people give Job's wife a hard time. We'll talk about this one other time. But, but man, she'd been through a lot too, you know? Even Job's wife said to him, Job, Job, do, do this right here. Curse God and die. And Job says, I will not. He said, I will not curse him. And Job declares a declaration that I, I want us to make in these times. In, in, in Job chapter 13, verse 15, he says, he says, though the Lord slay me, yet will I trust him. Though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. Though he slay me, yet will I live for him. It's very much like Joshua's declaration. I don't know what everybody else is going to do, but I will not curse God. I am going to trust in him. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to live for him. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Well, what if the blessing goes? Well, then the blessing goes, but I'm still serving Jesus. Well, what if plagues come? Well, then the plagues come, but I'm still serving Jesus. Well, what if everything doesn't work out the way I thought it would work out? Well, then it just doesn't work out the way I thought it worked out. But as for me, though he slays me, though plagues come, though I face trouble, no matter what may take place, I will hope in the Lord. I will trust in Him. I will serve Him. 
And the lesson that we learn here is we are not a people that are going to curse God. We are a people that's going to bless, bless the Lord and praise Him and exalt Him and lift up His holy name no, no matter what may come, no matter how difficult things may become. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord though He slay me. Yet will I worship Him. Yet will I live for Him. Yet will I trust in Him. It's Jesus saying, Hey, I'm coming like a thief. Are you ready? And the people that are ready are the people that make that Joshua declaration, that make that Job declaration, that no matter what may come, I trust in God. I live for Him. He's Lord. He's King. He's Savior. And if we are Job's and we are Joshua's, we are a people ready, ready no matter what we may face ready no matter what may come. I don't know what may come, but we're going to face it trusting in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I ask you this morning, online, I ask all of you, are you His? Do you know Him? Do you trust Him? Will you today make that Joshua declaration, as for me, everybody else can do whatever they want to. As for me, I can only do anything about me. Now, what I do about me affects everybody else, but I can only do anything about me. As for me, as for you, do you trust in the Lord? Will you serve Him? You see a people here making declarations, and we need to be a people who make declarations, but it's not a declaration of curse God. It's a declaration of bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. It's a declaration of I today will trust in the Lord and I will trust in him all the days of my life. It's a declaration of no matter what may come, no matter, no matter how I may be troubled, my hope and trust are in my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then Job's the one who said, I know my Redeemer lives and I will serve him and I will worship him and I will proclaim him. He is my Redeemer. He is my King. He is my Savior. He is my Lord. Let's not be afraid. Let's not be terrified. Let's not be worried and full of doubt. Let's firmly plant ourselves on our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and put all of our trust in him. He's coming. We don't know when, but we're gonna be a ready people because we are a people that trust Jesus with all of our heart. Let's pray together. Let me just ask you this morning again, every head bowed, eyes closed, all of you watching online, do you know Jesus? Is he Lord of your life? Praise the Lord. Just had like a bold declaration from the crowd. Yes, yes, we know Jesus. Do you know Jesus this morning? Do you trust him? Is he your Lord and your Savior? Do you declare today, I serve him today and I will serve him every day. No matter if he slays me, yet will I live for him, yet will I trust him, yet will I hope in him. Is that your declaration this morning? If you want to make it your declaration, would you just raise your hand with me? I just want to pray. Yes, amen. Amen. Hope you're raising your hands online. Let's pray together. I'm just going to lead us. Just pray and repeat after me. Pray this prayer from your heart. Let's make this declaration today. Lord Jesus, 
I declare that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We declare as Job declared. Though you slay us, yet will we serve you. Yet will we live for you. Yet will we trust you. We declare, Proverbs 3, that we, that, let's make it personal, that I trust you with all of my heart. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Wash away my sins. Clothe me in your righteousness. Make me yours. In Jesus' name, amen.